Deadline deals lead to a sweep of the Marlins. Film at 11. Actually, we will talk about it right now. The Yankees have won five of their last six and have a favorable schedule for the stretch run. After winning three straight in Miami, the team now heads home for a seven-game homestand against the Orioles and Mariners. We discuss the upcoming series with Orioles legend and Yes Network analyst Ken Singleton. Everything from Thurman Munson to the Yankees moves, and it's all next right here on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion, Yankees dominant relief pitcher, Jeff Nelson, you'll hear our producer Jake Brown chime in as well during the show. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran. Yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. You could follow Jake, especially to see his Mets meltdowns. Fantastic. Joining us later in the pod is good friend of the program, Yes Network Yankees analyst and Orioles great as the Yanks will take on those Orioles for three games beginning tonight. The great Ken Singleton. But first, oh my God, Jeff. I thought of things to post on Twitter after the sweep yesterday. And the first thing that popped into my head was the Fred Sanford. I'm having the big one, Elizabeth Jiff, where he, he clutches his chest. The Yankees finally picked up a sweep. Oh my God. It's amazing. And it was late inning heroics by one of the newest Yankees, Mr. Rizzo getting things done and getting the Yankees, helping the Yankees get that W for the sweep. Yeah. That and playing the Jacksonville jumbo shrimp the AAA team that now is the Florida <laughs> or Miami Marlins. You know, it's... Way to dump cold I water think, on something. Yeah, you know, I think you can take it a couple ways. You know, obviously the additions they have made are huge. And look what Anthony Rizzo has meant to those additions. I mean, it, it, they had going in before Sunday, uh, he was on base eight out of his first nine at-bats, and he scored five of the seven Yankee runs in the first two games. So that's, I mean, it's basically when I did a pregame yesterday, I said, just get Babe Ruth out, and you probably have a shot of winning the game. And it was going great until the eighth inning when the Marlins decided to boot the ball around all the in the infield and look like the Bad News Bears and throw it to the backstop and uh, each side of first base and third base. So, you know, I guess you can take it two ways. It, it, Yes, they finally swept the team and they needed to sweep the team. The Marlins are not a good offense. They're just not a good team, period. And after they've made their trades and and got a little more inexperienced. And then you look, uh, I guess, on the negative side is they didn't do, besides if they didn't have Anthony Rizzo, it might have been the other way. And if it wasn't for some of the mistakes that the Marlins made, it could have been the other way. But they did come out with a sweep. Their schedule's a little bit easy. They got three games against Baltimore, and then they got four games against Seattle. Seattle's right there in the wild card. Now, they Mariners did look intimidating when they went out to Seattle. So let's see how they are when they come into Yankee Stadium. But just adding those, you, you could see that it added an extra life in that Yankees dugout. I was around a little bit on the field on Friday and Saturday, and you could see the smiles on some of the players and definitely the coaches about what they added. Yeah, and you could see it injected some life into this team because I don't know how many times we've said that this team is listless. They look like they're not interested 
And uh, I know it was the jumbo shrimp they were playing. However, point taken. Uh, but you know, by the way, I looked that up. That is an actual team, and I need to buy a Jacksonville <laughs> no, no, jumbo shrimp AAA, hat. Yeah, it's a triple A team for the uh, Marlins. <laughs> now I'm hungry for shrimp. Uh, of course you are. It used we'll, to be double A. Now it's triple A. We'll, we'll get you back to the buffet at Yankee Stadium, and you could have as many as you want there, Jakey boy. But regardless of who, you have to play who's in front of you, uh, Jeff. And the Yankees did a tremendous job. They got out of there with a sweep three in a row and now they move on they have three against the Orioles and four against the Mariners as you said their strength of schedule though is is 22nd and the the lower you go uh the better your schedule is their winning percentage I think is uh 491 against uh the rest of the way so the Yankees could be in a very good position here to really mop up and and beat teams that they should beat yes it's 491 uh, the winning percentage of the teams they have left, and it's 58 games left for the Yankees. In fact, all top four teams in the AL East, Boston's 20th, Toronto's 21st, the Yankees are 22nd, and the Rays are 24th. So all four of those teams have, quote-unquote, you know, air quote, easy schedules. Uh, you have to factor in injuries if they happen and whatnot. But the Yankees are, have set themselves up now with these moves, Jeff, and the schedule the rest of the way. Uh, the division is still in play, if you ask me. You, you never walk away from whatever kind of lead. It's a seven-game lead right now as we tape this now. But I'm not going to wave the white flag with anything, and I don't think this team is either. You've seen these Cubs that were traded <laughs> – pretty much all over Major League Baseball. And they are invigorated, not only singularly, Jeff, but they are injecting some life into their new teams. They are. And I don't know if anybody's ever watched Anthony Rizzo. I don't know if any of the Yankee fans or any of you guys have ever watched him in the dugout. Uh, He's an infectious guy. So, you know, you talk about the lifeless Yankees and how they go through the motions on occasion and uh, they just don't seem like they're into the game or the, the sense of urgency has never really been there. You know, he's a guy that loves the game. He loves baseball. To me, I could be totally wrong, but, you know, it seems like he loves coming to the park. He loves going out on the field. He's one of those players that you just come, as a fan, you come to watch. There's certain guys on teams that you say, you know what, I'm going to go see Anthony Rizzo. I'm going to go see Aaron Judge. And Anthony Rizzo, you never know what he's going to do during a game, whether he does it at the, you know, at the plate or he does it in the field, whether he's got a great arm as a as a first baseman you know the plays that he makes you know maybe during this uh Orioles series they'll see him how he covers a bunt play and how he charges basically almost right next to the pitcher when when a guy's squaring around and then he's right in front of the hitter so you better be able to bunt it well or he's going to be able to get it he's just an infectious guy and you know Javi Baez is the same kind of guy when now that the Mets got him he's one of those infectious players he might swing out of his rear end every once in a while or maybe all the time but He's an infectious player, maybe one of the best young players. Or I, I love watching the guy, probably the best player. I, you know, as far as watching what he could do in the field. But the Yankees made some great moves. You know, well, let's see. Gallo didn't have a really great series against the Marlins. He only had the one double, and that was it. You know, he does strike out a lot. He looks like he's maybe a little bit easier to pitch to, obviously, than than Rizzo. Uh, the pitchers, I re- really didn't understand where they were going with that. The two additions in the bullpen. I know you needed to get and add pieces to that bullpen because they were struggling with the Haney move. I have no. I know he's going tonight against. I mean, yeah, against the Orioles. I really don't know where they went with that one. You know, he had a, what? It's almost a six ERA, and you're bringing in a lefty in, in the American League East. But the thing, you know, I might agree with you as far as the. Division is not is still attainable, you know. Seven games, 
But if you do look at all the trade deadline moves that every team in the American League has made, you look what Oakland, especially the teams ahead of them, you look what Oakland did in, in their additions. You know, they really, you know, with Marte, uh, uh, the, the, with a catcher, and, and, you know, they they did some really good things. You look at the Blue Jays with Brad Hand, they improved their bullpen, and Barrios, their starter, who, who was outstanding in his first appearance with the Blue Jays. So, you know, not just the Yankees, but everybody around them seem to do the same thing. So it's going to be a fun two months of baseball going forward. It is. It's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, exciting to watch. Uh, and we talked about that. You know, the excitement factor in baseball has been struggling a little bit. So maybe this will pick it back up as we head down the stretch. And as we head down the stretch, there's a couple of starters in the Yankee rotation that I want to bring up. We're going to talk about our oldest Chapman, too, because uh, he seems to be turning the corner, too. But before we get to Chapman, Jeff, let's talk about about two starters that have been lights out. And, and one of them is Jordan Montgomery, who said he wanted to be more consistent before the Yankees went to the All-Star break. And since he came back from the All-Star break, Montgomery has given up a total of four runs over his last 21, 20, 22 innings. That's unbelievable. He's pitching ridiculous right now. And so is Jamison Tyone. These two guys have been the reason why the Yankees have been having their success recently, Jeff. We could talk about the lineup and the additions that they made to the lineup, which which will help down the stretch, of course. But guys like Tyone and Montgomery, now if you get Cole back in line, that that's a heck of a one-two-three punch for the Yankees as they move forward down the stretch. And the reason why I think the division is still in play is because of those two guys and the way they have started to turn their seasons around. Yeah, and the bullpen is still decent, even though they went through their rough patch there for a while. You know, Chad Green is still good, and so is Luizaga. You have, you know, we'll talk about Chapman. And even Holmes, you know, Holmes pitched his last two outings, and I watched him in Miami, and he does have some nasty stuff. I don't know about an assassin, but he, he, has, <laughs> he, he has some pretty good stuff. He's got a really good sinker and a nice slider, and if he can you, pitch in the zone, it's not You, my bad. friend, you, my friend, were a righty assassin. Oh, yes. I, yes. I think you have to get a little – play in pinstripes before you could get righty assassin yeah, attached yeah, to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I think with, with uh, Montgomery, I think the last three starts, I think what, 15 and two-thirds, 15 and third, he's only given up the one run, and that was yesterday against the Marlins in the first inning. So, you know, he's he looked well. He looked really good. He, you know, good location on his fastball, good changeup, good breaking ball. He's getting, getting ahead of hitters. You know, yesterday, again, you're facing the AAA Marlins that really bail you out. You know, they did have him on the ropes a few times and you know normal teams would probably take pitches and try to get him he threw 31 pitches in the first inning yesterday and they had him on the ropes and experienced teams would probably get him out by the third third inning but since you're the marlins you let him settle in and he actually did a nice job through five and tyone has looked really good i mean his month of july has been outstanding and i wonder what they're going to do though going forward because of him not throwing as much in the past are they going to try to limit him as far as innings once you start getting into September or you know late September as far as uh oh where you start to creep up around the 175 or 180 mark yeah but with Montgomery you you've how that change up seems to be what's the difference I know the jumbo shrimp again we're going to go back there but it seems like the the difference pitch for him Jeff is the change up that that's what's been so successful with him and with Tyone, just really quick before we get to Chapman, I just wanted to touch on a couple of really specific points with both of these guys. One is the changeup with Montgomery. The other thing with uh, Tyone, it just seems like he's letting everything go now. Like he's finally got confidence back 
saying to himself, all right, I could trust my elbow. I could trust everything that's going on. I could just let it go. And I could be the pitcher that I was before I was injured. What are your thoughts on those two with those? Yeah. You know, and I hated when pitching coaches or anybody would come up to you and say, trust your stuff. I never really, what the heck does that mean? Trust your stuff. (laughs) You know, can you please stop telling me to trust myself? I don't know what that means. But that's all about Tyone. Trust, he's trusting his stuff. You know, now I know what it means. You, you, you know, let it go and, and understand you have good stuff and you're not going to get hurt. You're not going to have that feeling again. And that's sometimes the biggest obstacle when guys get hurt and they feel something in their shoulder or leg or knee or, or elbow. They're afraid to let it go because they think they're going to get that feeling again, that little zap or that pop. And once you get over that, then all of a sudden things start, you know, gathering together and, cl- you know, clicking in. And I think that's what's happened over the last probably six or seven starts with Tyone, that he, everything's starting to come into fruition as far as his stuff. And he, he's going out there not having to worry about, oh, am I going to feel this or am I going to hear something? And, and it's really shown. And. And the changeup with, you know, changeup's an equalizer. You know, it's a, I was always jealous of guys that could throw changeups because it was always one of those pitches that could get you out of jams. You know, you could throw it a couple times in a row. Now you're seeing guys throw it two, three, four times in a row, and, and, and hitters are still way out in front of the pitch. And, and I, I watched Montgomery yesterday, and that, and that got him out of a lot of jams, and it got him in, back into counts. And, and when you have a pitch like that, and it, it gives you tons of confidence. And, and like I said, it's an equalizer. You know, you can get away with fastball, breaking ball if you're a reliever. But if you're a starter, you need that third or fourth pitch. And if you can master a changeup, you look at a lot of the great pitchers in the league and a lot of guys that have a lot of success, they have really good changeups. And he's starting to develop that. You always hear about getting the planets to align, getting the stars to align. Well, the Yankees, in order for them to have any kind of success down the stretch and making a deep playoff run, they needed to get their closer uh, back in line. He's definitely one of the stars that the Yankees need to be in line with Garrett Cole, with the with the guys in the lineup. And over his last 10 games, nine games, he finished 10 innings, three hits, just one earned run, 18 strikeouts. He has walked seven. So you put a little asterisk next to the walks there, Jeff, but an ERA of under one, a 0.90 ERA, and he's lowered his near five ERA after that blown save against the Mets in the first game of that doubleheader, it was near four and three quarters. It's now back down to the season to three and three quarters. So he's getting back to the point where he was lights out in the beginning of the season. And that has to remain the same throughout the back end of the season and into the postseason as well. Yeah, I mean, there's not many closers in the league or many closers anymore that that are going to have clean innings all the time. They're always giving managers and pitching coaches great hairs, you know, and the fans are all, they're going to give them, you know, put them on the edge of their seat. And, and Chapman's no different. But, you know, I think the couple times when he did pitch, when he was going through the struggles and all of a sudden coming out of them, the time in Seattle when he loaded the bases and, and threw up a zero, that other time in Boston when he came in for the save and he had second and third and, and I think Kiki Hernandez was up and he wound up striking him out and getting that save. And, and you know, it could have gone the other way, but those, even though they're struggle saves, they're still positive and it's, they're still in your mind. You're like, you know what? I threw up a zero. I don't care how I did it. I still threw up the zero and I got the job done. And then over the last few outings, he's been really good. And, and, you know, the stuff's starting to be there. The slider was a little nasty yesterday with a couple strikeouts. So you can start seeing that he's starting to gather that confidence again, starting to throw strikes with his fastball, his mechanics. He's such a big guy and he's wound real tight that sometimes mechanics, his mechanics are off and he's throwing the ball over the place. But you need him to 
be right if the Yankees are going to do anything, especially in that ninth inning. All right, now let's talk about the strength of schedule. Tankathon.com is is the best. I, I, I go there for, for every sport to see what the deal is with schedules and everything else down the stretch in the NBA and the NFL. I go there to see who's the worst team in the league. I think that's, <laughs> as a Jets fan, I, that's my yearly visit every year to see if we're going to end up with the first pick. I didn't know you could actually do other things there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they have right now, the strength of schedules for all these teams. And uh, we'll get to Jake's Mets in a second just to have a little fun. But the AL playoff hopefuls, Jeff, the, the strongest schedule remaining for everyone is Oakland. They have the sixth toughest schedule remaining in Major League Baseball. Seattle 16th, the White Sox, everybody else in the American League is 16th or towards the back end. The White Sox are 19th, Boston is 20th, Toronto's 21st, the Yankees are 22nd, the Rays are 24th, Cleveland 26th, and the Astros are 28th. So they have the third easiest schedule down the stretch here, but Oakland could be in a little bit of trouble. I know they made some moves, as you mentioned at the deadline, Jeff, they they made some moves to improve their team, but this is going to be very interesting. And the Yankees, let's Let's face it, they made moves, they're going after it, and with this strength of schedule down the stretch, Jeff, they have no excuses. They need to get there and they need to do some damage in October. They do, and you know, you mentioned the strength of schedule. You know, you're going to see Boston a couple times, Toronto a couple times. You know, they have Atlanta, Oakland, they see Oakland, they go out there for four games. So they're playing some teams that are going to have Seattle. Here, this is the last time they'll see them over the weekend for four games. So, you know, they play some teams that are in front of them. And they just have to play the way they did against Miami. Whether they're a AAA team or not, you have still have to go out and win series. And that's your you know ultimate goal. You still have to watch out. Seven games back. If you can get the Rays and the Red Sox to beat up on each other like they did over the uh, over this weekend and had the Rays to uh, take two out of three, or actually they swept the Red Sox and now they're a game and a half up. You just have to, I, I think, because of what, Oakland did what Toronto did. You know, Boston to me, they're going to get Chris Sale back, so that's going to be a big addition. And Schwarber is going to come back at some point, and he's going to be going to rehab and learn how to play first base. You just you kind of try to ignore everything as best as possible. It's really hard as a player because you're always constantly. At least I did. I always watched the standings. I always wanted to know where we were, if we were out, how far, if we were in first, how far. So you just have to go and play your game and have fun at doing it and worry about what you do on the field and not what everybody else is doing. It's hard to do because like you said, I mean, there's, you're seven games out, you're two and a half or two and a half out of the wild card. And, you know, you just have to control what you can control in the field because the other teams are just as good. And you mentioned, okay, Oakland might have the toughest schedule, but Oakland just somehow, Bob Melvin out there just somehow seems to put this team in a position that they're playoff bound every year. And so no matter what they kind of what kind of schedule they have, they're always doing something to be to where they need to be. Professor so Bob, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's an uphill climb for the Yankees, but you know, they're not they're it's it's attainable. Yeah, guys, they only have 19 games against teams that uh, right now are in the playoffs. And I think it's important for the Yankees, the final two months, they come home Monday, want to get the crowd back into it, get the fans pumped. I think the trades did that, but they have not had a true home field advantage. They're four games over 500 at home. They're four games over 500 on the road. So it'd be nice to see them with 31 home games left, try and put a stretch together and get these fans pumped 
in the Bronx because uh, they've not shown that they've uh, dominated at home yet this year. Well, they won three straight against the Marlins. They did their job down there, regardless of the team that they were playing. They they won all three games, and they come home. Now they have a seven-game home stretch against the Orioles, who are absolutely terrible. They need to win every single one of those games. And we talked, Jeff, a couple weeks ago about this team finally putting together a stretch like just win 15 out of 20 games just do that jack curry and i talked about that too when i hosted in studio with him at the yes network for the seattle series out in seattle we he said how many games do you think that they need to rip and i said 15 out of 20 and that was right before the break and he said you know that's the same thing i it's the same exact thing i texted to one of my friends earlier today because they asked me like what kind of run do they need to go on to kind of separate themselves especially in the wild card at the time. And, and and we both said 15 out of 20. Now, let's have a little fun before we get to our pal Ken Singleton because the sphincters over in Queens, and we don't even have to go that far. All we have to do is go on Squadcast and look at the sphincter tightening up uh, in, the, in one of the quad pictures in the screen here, Jeff. And that's Jake Brown because I, re- I remember distinctly someone – sitting there bragging that the Mets had the largest division lead in Major League Baseball. That, that's no longer the case. And and the Mets have the eighth toughest schedule out of the playoff hopefuls in the National League. The Mets have the toughest schedule left, along with the Padres and the Brewers. And the team chasing the Mets right now, the Phillies, they have the easiest schedule on paper for the rest of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how tight the sphincters get over there in Queens, Mr. Oh, I, I think the sphincter might be from the ballpark food of 10 games in 11 days. <laughs> that, 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 well, it's definitely not tight I, then. That's probably <laughs> loose. <laughs> the cheese I posted has me backed up for a week. <laughs> it was uh, it was three kinds of cheese and a grilled cheese with more cheese in the middle and a patty melt. I might have to take a week off from cheese. Yeah, you put uh, a quart of prune juice on top of that. It's not going anywhere. You better go check your cholesterol. My yeah, God. It, it, it runs in the family as my dad left a voicemail. High BMI <laughs> runs in the family. It's a real thing, Jake. You might die in a year. <laughs> you will die in one year. One exact year. You will be dead. You will be on the floor dead. Uh, that's why you. Uh, that's why you wear a beard to cover up the five chins you got maybe working so, for real. To the ballpark. It gets a little patchy over here. I needed. I needed to fill in and cover in the chubs. The Mets are going to win the division by default. I mean, I know the Phillies got better, and the Nationals. The, the gif has gone around of Will Smith in the living room by himself. That is yeah. Juan Soto yeah, who is yeah, left yeah. by himself in in DC. But it's been so bad. These other teams. I know the Mets just need to get the bats going, and even with Degrom out, they just got to start hitting something. I mean, they the last like twenty thirty. Games they're averaging two point seven runs a game. If you know, we had a stat where if they have scored four more runs, they'd only have nine losses or something like that. They just need to hit the baseball, and I'm hoping Baez does that. He's very hit or miss. He he swings at everything. So uh, as everyone does in baseball, it seems like uh, this year and in this new era. But I'm a little worried. But until the Phillies or Braves go on a run, I'm not in uh, sphincter mode yet. (laughs) All right. Well. You and uh, Nelson Figueroa have Howie Rose on the Amazing But True podcast, so uh, you can get more Mets talk over there. But we're going to get more Yankees talk right now with our pal, the Yes Network and former Baltimore legend, the former Oriole, Ken Singleton. That's next on the Pinstripe Pod. 
Joining us now, as promised, he's with the Yes Network. He's a Baltimore Orioles legend, and we figured since the Yankees are starting a three-game set with these same Orioles, why not bring back our friend of the program, Ken Singleton, back on to talk a little Orioles and Yankees. Kenny, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. So, Kenny, before we get to uh, what's going on with the Yankees now, they made some big moves uh, at the trade deadline. 42 years ago, you were on the field on August 6th. So we're still four days out from that game that the Yankees beat you all when they came back from Thurman Munson's funeral. But you were there in the lineup that night for the Orioles. Can you just take us back to that night and give us a feel of what that was like? Wow. Yeah. 42 years. That's that's quite a long time, but it's kind of etched in my memory. Uh, it will be forever. That particular night, uh, it, it was a very hot and humid night at Yankee Stadium. And it felt like it was going to rain like any minute. But uh, for me, it, it, it felt like those were the tears of the Yankee fans. And it would have been if, if it had rained. But it was just a very sad night, not only for Yankees and the fans, but just for baseball in general. I mean, Thurman was well-respected throughout the game. He had been an MVP, the captain of the Yankees. And, of course, that is a very esteemed position. And I just had a lot of respect for the man as a competitor and, and somebody that, you know, I I wouldn't say I enjoyed I enjoyed watching him play when he was playing up the team, uh, not when he was playing our team. But uh, he was one of the better players in the game. And for his life to end so tragically, uh, it just shook the whole baseball world. And, and, and even, uh, I guess, people who weren't uh, fans of the game, just, uh, you know, such an iconic figure during that period of time in the mid and late 70s. He was just uh, somebody that the, the Yankee fans still miss. Now, do you know him very well? I mean, what was he like? A lot of catchers sometimes when the hitters get in the batter's box, they always are chatting with him all the time. And, you know, did you know him very well? What, did he say anything to you when you were hitting? Most definitely. Uh, usually, uh, in those days, the Yankees used to train in Fort Lauderdale and the Orioles trained in Miami. So the cities are so close together that our first games were a home-and-home home series in spring training. Either we would take the bus up to Lauderdale or they would come down to Miami. Every other year, they would alternate where the uh, spring training season would start. So um, usually before the first game, I'd seek him out around home plate, you know, as the Yankees came on the field. And I'd, I'd wish him good luck, you know, so just, you know, stay healthy all year long. And when you have a division rival, you want to beat them at full strength. You don't want to have any excuses for the other team. Oh, our best players weren't in there. So to have the play against somebody like Thurman all year, you knew you had to have your, your act together, so to speak. And sometimes, I, I remember a couple of times, or, or at least once, I hit a home run. And the next time up, he said, you hit that last one pretty well, didn't you? And, <laughs> and I said to him, uh, while I'm in the batter's box, do you think you can get him to throw it there again? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was it was that sort of relationship, and I think it's just mutual respect that that we had. Uh, he was he was quite a ball player, and I think the fact that I think he's only like three or four days older than me, so you know, we were just not only contemporaries on the field, but contemporaries as far as the age was concerned. So I, I just think that I enjoyed the challenge of playing against not only the Yankees, but, but Thurman Munson as well. Rick Dempsey was his uh, backup in 73, 74, 75, and part of 76 before he joined the Orioles. And, and, and he was with you on that 79 team that went into Yankee Stadium. How, how much, you talked about, Kenny, how much it didn't even it affected non-baseball fans too. What about 
your team. I mean, seeing that, seeing home plate left empty for that amount of time before the game started, I mean, that had to resonate throughout your clubhouse as well. Yeah, it, it did. I think one of my best buddies, and uh, still remains so, is Tippy Martinez, and we play a lot of golf together. Tippy, actually, in that game, he's the one that gave up the hit to Bobby Mercer that lost the game. And uh, we showed video on Yes, uh, Tippy as he's walking off the field. Now, remember, Tippy and Rick Dempsey came over in the same trade from the Yankees to the Orioles. And while Tippy was a member of the Yankees, he and Thurman became, you know, pitcher-catcher relationship is pretty strong. And as Tippy was walking off the field, you saw the video of him looking at the sky. And he told me just a few, maybe a month or so ago, what he was thinking. And he said, Thurman, that one's for you. Now, the fact that the, we lost the game, it wasn't a, uh, a pivotal game. I mean, we had an eight-game lead on the division at the time, and we were going to the World Series. So I personally felt when I was at my locker, you know, you hate to lose, but as I'm sitting there, you know, taking my uniform off, ready to get in the shower, I'm thinking, well, if the Yankees are going to win one game from us, let it be that. And so it didn't really, it wasn't a devastating loss. I wouldn't say that I was happy that the Yankees won, but I could see where maybe that would give a certain amount of Yankee fans some solace in the fact that they they lost their captain. You know, it, it would never bring him back, but it was just one of those things where uh, maybe it was just meant to be that the Yankees win that day. What was it like on the other in the other dugout when you guys were in the visitors' dugout? As far as the Yankees and them being on the field, you know, did they say a whole lot? To, were they really somber? Was it really like an eerie kind of feeling? You know what? They it was. A, that's a, a very good word. Somber. They they just didn't seem to have the same enthusiasm, uh, particularly when the game started. There, there was a pall over Yankee Stadium. And it was not the festive atmosphere you usually see at the stadium where, you know, you're getting ready to play a division rival. And, it, you know, it had been a long day for them. They'd been in Ohio for the funeral during the course of the day, then having to come back that night. There was talk that they might not make it back in time to start the game, but they did. And uh, they played. We had the lead most of the game until Bobby won it in the bottom of the night. All right, Kenny, let's uh, let's move on now. Um, thank you for those memories, by the way. I, I can't even begin to describe how much that means uh, sharing that with us because, you know, for Yankee fans everywhere, Thurman Munson still resonates as, you know, every every catcher that kneels behind the plate is uh, compared to that guy. And uh, just uh, hearing those stories from someone that was there that night in the stadium and, and, and to give us that just tremendous. Thank you for that. But moving on to this this year's team now and all the moves that they made at the, the deadline, you got Heaney uh, going tonight actually against your former team. And then, you know, Gallo and Rizzo, who's absolutely – uh, on fire right now. He he seems to be really loving his new duds and he's going to put the pinstripes on for the first time tonight. Just in general, what do you think of all these moves that Brian Cashman has uh, made here at the deadline? Well, first of all, I, I thought they were necessary. I, I think during the course of the year, one thing we, we, we saw, uh, Chris and Nelly, is that the, the Yankee lineup was way too right-handed. And having the balance in the lineup, and I, I go back to the days when Nelly was pitching uh, for the Yankees, that was one of the most balanced lineups I've ever seen. I mean, what happens is that the lefties protect the lefty hitters protect the righty hitters and the righty hitters protect the lefties. And what I mean by that, when you get a team that's unbalanced in their lineup, a right handed pitcher, during the course of the season, all you saw was sliders down and away to all the Yankee right handed hitters and, and that's where they get put away. 
now they were either good pitchers or very good pitchers, but they could get you out with just a decent slider down in the way. But if you throw a you know, decent one to a left-handed hitter, they can do damage with it. They can hit it. Guys like Rizzo and Gallo, they, they, they've made a pretty good living out of hitting bad sliders from right-handed pitchers. And what that causes to a, a right-handed pitcher, all of a sudden he doesn't have the confidence in throwing that pitch because the lefties have tattooed it. And all of a sudden, he's not making as good of pitchers to the right-handers as well. So I, I just think that the, the Yankee lineup is more balanced now. I just think that uh, you're going to see an uptick in the offense. Already on defense, I mean, Gallo's an excellent outfielder. And Rizzo, that double play he turned yesterday against Miami. I mean, that, that was one of the best 3-6-3 double plays you're ever going to see. It was so smooth and so quick. I mean, I, I think it was Jazz Chisholm who hit the ball. He's pretty fast. And it, they got him by quite a few steps. So I, I just think that overall, this is a great move. It balances the lineup. I think back to the days when Nelly was pitching. You had O'Neill and Tino. And, of course, you had Bernie Williams and uh, Posada and Nick Swisher, who was switch hitters. So that the switch hitters helped balance the lineup right away because it, it doesn't matter who's out on the mound. But I just think now that the, the Yankee lineup is going to go from here, they're going to get more offense. You know, I've gotten to see Anthony Rizzo quite a bit just doing Marlin games and then seeing the Cubs, you know, them coming in and then also the Marlins going out there. And you think the Yankees realize what kind of athlete this guy is? I mean, I've watched him over the years and probably one of the better first basemen in baseball. And just the way, I mean, if you ever see it, you saw at one time during the series in in Miami where he charged uh, during a bunt play and how he covers not just the first base side, but he'll run in in front of the pitcher as soon as the ball is released to try to get that get that bunt up the third base side and try to get that what's well, supposed to be the pitchers covering third base but he'll do that do they did they realize what kind of athlete this guy is he is tremendously and not just a great athlete but a very smart baseball player yes i i think that uh of course you know he's a veteran player i mean he's won a platinum glove i believe certainly gold gloves so this might be you know some of the best first basing the yankees have had since uh, going back to tino and and certainly don mattingly so i i just think that he's a good all-around player now he he might not be stealing bases and things like that but as far as offense and defense he's driving runs he gets on base he goes deep in counts that's another thing i think you'll see from yankee lineups with gallo and rizzo they go i think gallo sees the most pitches per at bat of anybody in the league so that has a tendency to wear down the opponents i know nelly you'd rather put guys away on that first and second pitch and move on to the next guy than having thrown five or six pitches to one guy and all of a sudden you only got one out and <laughs> you got to work on the next next yeah, two that's a typical yankees though i mean they're, they're the they're, their motto has always been work to count work the pitcher try to get into that bullpen get the starter out and uh you know they've they've done that throughout their whole career our, our teams did it all the time i mean next thing you know the starter has 100 pitches by the fourth or fifth inning and you're like how's that happen well they're seeing four and five pitches and he's actually think the Yankees average is almost five pitches per at bat they're pretty maybe the top two or three in the league as far as seeing seeing the most pitches from a starter yeah I, I think the Yankees do lead the league in, in base on ball so that, that's one thing they do they do run those pitch counts up and uh, get to the bullpen although I, I will say this getting to bullpens in this day and age as opposed to when I was playing is a little bit different some of those guys you don't want to see you know that they're, they're throwing 95 100 miles an hour uh, back in the day, it was mostly sinker slider, but uh, you know it, it, it's changed a bit. Yeah, since the uh, second game against the Mets back on July 4th, Rugnet Odor has also been unbelievable. He's sitting 280 and just tearing the cover off the ball. Gets a big hit after big hit. 
And this is a guy that was on the Rangers scrap heap. So the offense seems like it's definitely turning a corner here, Kenny. Uh, what, what needs to happen now is Garrett Cole has to hook himself up to the Jamison Tyone and Jordan Montgomery train because those two have been absolutely flat out lights out while Cole has struggled over his past 13 starts. I mean, you're talking about the Yankees ace and he's given up five or more runs, I think four times over that span. So if he locks it back down and locks in and this offense starts to take off like we think it's going to take off, couple that, Kenny, with the strength of schedule down the stretch for the Yankees, they're they're 22nd. Their opponents the rest of the way have a winning percentage of 491. So everything in front of them is giving them every opportunity. I don't know what you feel, Mr. Singleton, but uh, John and Susan were talking about this yesterday, how everybody's saying that the division is over with already. I, I, I don't think you could completely throw the division race out, but they're only two and a half behind the A's. This team is in a very good position right now as they head down the stretch. I believe so, too. I, I think that with the enthusiasm with the uh, players they've gotten during the uh, uh, Gallo and Rizzo, uh, I just think that, uh, as you've seen lately, that the uh, I think the Yankees are only four games behind the Red Sox for second place, four games in the loss column. And so they are, as you mentioned, you got to get to the wild card first, get in position with a wild card. Then you kind of worry about the division. I, you know, the division is not out of sight. I, I wouldn't say that. But I, I would say that get in a comfortable position with the wild card first, and then maybe you can set your sights on the division. They, they've dug themselves a hole. Now they're trying to get out of it. It appears that they are playing much better. You're right about Cole needing to get going. Uh, I, I think the addition of Heaney, I think he can be a better pitcher with the Yankees. Uh, I think he'll get more support than he did with the Angels. I also think that uh, with Severino somewhat on the horizon, although you don't really know what you're going to get when he comes back, whether he's going to be the Luis Severino that we've seen in the past, you know, a very uh, strong uh, presence in the rotation or somebody who's just kind of feeling his way and trying to get going. I, I you don't really know. But I, I do think that getting Cole going, getting Severino back maybe sometime later in the month or, or early September down the stretch, this will certainly benefit the Yankees. You know, Kenny, I want to go back to the lineup real quick. What what do they do, you know, when you have LeMahieu and Urshel? Obviously, Urshel is going into third base. But, you you know, Chris just mentioned, and I saw it, you know, they, that Marlins couldn't get Odor out. And Odor has been hot. You know, what do you do with that lineup? Then you're going to get Luke Boyk back, which, I you know, I heard they tried to move them and they couldn't. You saw Stanton play the outfield two of the three games in Miami. What do they do as far as, you know, I, I know it's probably a great problem to have, but what do they do as far as offensively with these two new additions? Yeah, I, wow, you're right, Nelly. That These are some pretty good players, offensive players, and, you know, that's up there, Aaron Boone and the coaches and staff, what, what they're going to do. LeMay's got to play. We know what he means to the Yankee lineup. Rizzo's going to play. Rizzo and Gallo are players that play every day against lefties and right. They're in the lineup. And because they can play defense too. I just think, uh, you know, Urshela, we know what he can do on defense. You know, unfortunately, he's been hit by injuries a little bit, these nagging injuries that don't really put you on the IL, but keep you out of lineup every once in a while. This is going to be interesting how they play this every day. We know that uh, Aaron Boone likes to give players rest every so often. Maybe this is how he gets it done by giving somebody a day off 
and playing the other people. Kenny Singleton, thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. Some memories of Thurman Munson back in 1979 and and also talking about giving us great insight on this 2021 Yankees team. Sir, you're one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business, and we appreciate the time as always. Thank you, guys. Chris, uh, Nelly, always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll talk down the road as we get towards the end of the year. That says goodnight to episode 74, the PJ Pilateri edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating and write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We're back Thursday following the Yankees three-game series with the Orioles. Enjoy the games, and thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod. <laughs>